you know, I like history, and so I'm always reading history, and uh, if there's a documentary on, I'm looking at it, reading it. You know, one of the things they, uh, on the History Channel and whatnot, they always have things about war, and one of the truths of war is that the better equipped army has a huge advantage and often wins the battle, right? Whoever is going to win the war, it's usually that they are better equipped. An under-equipped or non-equipped soldier is ineffective. And spiritually, that's also true. What's ironic is that, you know, uh, gun sales with all the unrest have skyrocketed. And many folks are running to, to grab their guns. But as Christians, if we're in a spiritual battle, we don't run and grab our guns. We run and we grab the word of God. And we get on our knees in prayer and ask God for his power and his presence to equip us for the battle before us. Because we don't battle against flesh and blood. We battle against the spiritual forces. And last week, when we uh, talked about uh, in this new series in spiritual warfare, the first week we talked about uh, the existence right, of the spiritual realm in spiritual warfare. Last week we talked about our enemies. The, uh, that it's our own sin, that's one enemy. But then there's the sort of spiritual forces of the world, the, the course of the world, things that we get pulled into that are also sinful in our society, and then also Satan. So we talked about those enemies and how those enemies are fierce because they're internal, first, our sin, then they're eternal in terms of uh, Satan, but then also they're We're so surrounded by them that we often are taken captive and don't even realize. And so today we're going to talk about, all right, well, how in the world do we battle those kinds of enemies? And the answer is proper equipment, is that we get equipped with the armor that God gives. So yeah, our spiritual warfare series, uh, the definition that I'm using for spiritual warfare is the ongoing battle between God's people and the forces of Satan wherein God's people stand in the armor of God and advance God's kingdom through the gospel. So today we're going to talk about the armor of God, the equipment, the existence, the enemies of God, and now the equipment. How do we stand up against these spiritual enemies? Again, we get geared up with the armor of God. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 20. That is our uh, scripture for today. We did look at this scripture just a couple of months ago. But I want to look at it again with a special focus on um, spiritual warfare. So Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. We'll just go the first couple of verses to begin. Apostle Paul says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Now, last week we touched on verse 12 that when we were describing the enemies, who are our enemies in the spiritual warfare, and to make sure it's clear that it's not flesh and blood. We don't battle with flesh and blood, but rather we battle with these spiritual enemies. Again, Satan, uh, forces of evil, our own sin. 
But that's not to say that the natural and supernatural realms aren't connected, because they are. That we are, we are spiritual beings. We have a soul, but we're also embodied beings. We have a body, a physical body. And oftentimes in spiritual warfare, we will we'll come into contact with the enemy in the, in the physical realm, but we can't let that distract us that no, our real strategy, our real enemy is on the spiritual plane and our real battle is on the spiritual plane. But the, those two worlds are connected and we don't want to forget that. But how? How do we withstand spiritual attacks? Well, there's two commands here in verse uh, 10 and 11. It's, first of all, be strong in the Lord. That's a command. Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might and put on the armor of God. You see, you and I, we don't have the strength to withstand these enemies. That's the bad news. The bad news is we don't have the strength to withstand our own sin, an enemy on the inside, Satan, um, and the forces. that We don't have the strength to withstand those attacks. That's the bad news. But the good news is God does. He does have the strength. He does have the ability. And he gives us the equipment so that if we're standing in him, we can stand against those enemies. And verse 13 commands us to take up the whole armor of God. And then goes to kind of describe what that, the pieces of armor. So that's verse, um, let's move on to verse 14, I guess. Um, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So in this passage, it's 10 to 20 in Ephesians chapter 6, there are really two main commands. And one is, we just talked about, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. That's verse 10. But here, verse 14, stand. Right? Stand. And then the various equipment we're given is, notice, it's really defensive equipment. Right? The, the belt, the breastplate, the shield, the helmet. I mean, the sword of the spirit is the only offensive kind of weapon, but even that can be used, a sword can be used for defense. And so why this focus on defensive imagery? And where does this imagery come from? A lot of commentators talk about, you know, the Roman soldier and all that. And, and yeah, that's probably influenced some of this imagery. But I really feel that this came from Isaiah chapter 59. So in the Old Testament... Prophet Isaiah, he's talking about how um, God is doing battle with the enemies of his kingdom and that no human being is really helping advance God's kingdom. That all of our, Isaiah 59 starts out, all of our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. And, and so because there's all of these enemies multiplying against God's kingdom, God himself brings salvation. So in Isaiah 59, verse 16 and 17, it says this. 
he, that's God, saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought him salvation and his righteousness upheld him. He put on a righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. See, this is where it, uh, Apostle Paul gets it from Ephesians. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. So here the context of this verse is that God himself brings salvation when he puts on that helmet of salvation and that breastplate of righteousness. And this makes sense. When we read the rest of the book of Ephesians, we, we see that Christ has won the victory. Really, a large part of the book of Ephesians is saying, hey, people, just understand how Christ has already won that victory. Uh, uh, think about, uh, you know, by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And so our task really is to stand in the victory that Christ has won and putting on the equipment that he gives us. Christ gives us his salvation, his righteousness. And when we stand in Christ, we stand in his armor. And when we stand in Christ, we stand in his armor. And that's a theme, in the, in the Old Testament, think about a theme in the, um, is, is that God is a refuge. God is a stronghold. As we're doing our prayer time, our group prayer time on, on Tuesday mornings and Thursday nights, we, read, we use a psalm to sort of uh, get, our prayer, get our prayer on, to get you know, really focused and, and have the Holy Spirit take the scripture and then inspire our prayers. And it seems like almost every time we pick a psalm, it talks about God being a refuge, God being a stronghold. And that's that theme is that when, if... All sorts of enemies can attack. And, the, and arrows, spears can be raining down. But they'll bounce off the fortress walls. I mean, if you're in the fortress, if you're in the stronghold, right? nothing, nothing will take you down. That's why it says God is a refuge. And that's why here, it's, I think the Apostle Paul is saying, yeah, um, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Like, he gives us everything that we need. So the primary question that each one of us has when it comes to spiritual warfare really is if, I mean, we're going to go through the armor and all that stuff, but really when it comes down to it is if you're standing in Christ, you're standing in his armor. And really, that's the primary question that I want you to think about. Am I standing in Christ? Because when it comes to all of the enemies and all of the armor, it really comes down to that. Have I placed my faith in Jesus Christ? And when it comes to the enemies, when it comes to what do I need to do, do I look and say, I'm standing in what Christ has done for me. I'm putting on his helmet of salvation. I'm putting on his breastplate of righteousness. Because Christ has won the victory. He defeated your sin and my sin on the cross. He defeated the devil on the cross. And so the invitation is, are you standing in Christ? Really, that's the, that's the primary aspect of spiritual warfare. And so if, if you're here or you're watching online and you can't say, you know, I, I'm not, I don't know if I'm standing in Christ. Make that decision today. Say, yes, Jesus, I am stepping into your sacrifice, your victory on the cross, and it's my victory. 
I'm claiming you as my savior, as my fortress, as my stronghold. And that is when you're stepping into the armor of God. That's when God is going to pour down upon you the equipment that you need to survive the spiritual battle. But again, if, if that's you, if you're like, yeah, I don't know if I'm standing in Christ, that, you don't need to listen any further. Right? You, that's what you need to do today. That's why you're here today. That's why you're listening today. Because God and Christ has a victory for you over all of our spiritual enemies. And you just need to step into that. Now, he continues, and, and yeah, my sermon's not done. I'm trying to be... Trying to take less time than I did last week uh, when I ran over. But then Paul goes through the parts of armor to kind of say, you know what? This is what it might look like when you're standing in Christ and, and the armor. So that it's not just this general thing. There's specific things that if we want to know, am I standing in Christ? That we can say, well, have I put on this piece of armor and this piece of armor? So let's go through the pieces of armor and do a self-check as we're doing that. So in other words, as we go through the belt and the, and the shield and all that, say, all right, is, is that something I'm putting on? Because if you're, having, if you're struggling with your relationship with Christ or battling against the spiritual enemies, you know what will happen is that if you're missing a piece of armor, the enemy will attack you in that very place. So it's good to do kind of an inventory of this equipment. And the first thing is the belt of truth, verse 14. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and put on the breastplate of righteousness. The belt of truth. Okay. Uh, an ancient soldier's belt kind of, it, it brought in tight most of the other pieces of armor. It kind of, it held everything together so that with your, your breastplate, your cloak, all of that, the belt kept it tight, also your sword. Otherwise, things are kind of floppy and not tight to your body when you're trying to fight. It's gonna, you're going to stumble if it's not pulled in tight. So the belt of truth kind of holds everything together. So too does truth hold our faith together. To withstand spiritual attack, to advance God's kingdom, we must be people of truth of truth. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. Truth is essential in the spiritual battle. And one of the reasons is Satan, one of his titles is this father of lies. So the, our spiritual enemies thrive in falsehood and lack of truth. So upholding truth, that's a part of our spiritual warfare. Spiritual revelation, yes, right? Scriptural revelation, how do we find truth? How do we battle against error? The Bible, for sure. But we also need to put falsehood away from our lives. Because if I'm lying, if I'm bearing false witness, then I'm siding with Satan because he's the father of lies. So we don't just need to know truth. We need to practice truth in our words, in our deeds, consistent living in integrity. That's a part of spiritual battle. Now, God reveals truth. He leaves, re reveals eternal truth about his will, about who God is in the scriptures. 
God says, all right, this is who I am. This, these are laws for living. But he ultimately revealed himself in Jesus Christ. So if you want to know the truth about who God is, you can look at Jesus, God's ultimate word, and he is the truth. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Apostle Paul talks about our faith. Christian faith is based on truth. It's based on the reality of Christ's resurrection. He says, if Jesus hasn't really risen from the dead, then our faith is in vain. So as Christians, our faith depends on truth. Our lives depend on truth. And so as we do a equipment check, do we say, am I a person of truth? Am I a person of integrity? Do I say, do I do what I say I'm going to do? Because that's a part of the spiritual battle. But you know, being people of truth, yes, it involves knowing God's word, the truth of God's word, but all truth is God's truth. Right? If it's true, then it is, can be connected to the creator and sustainer of the universe, the God of truth. You know, we talked about a couple weeks ago, the creation mandate, right? How God has created all things, and then he says to human beings, all right, Subdue the earth and be fruitful and multiply. And, and so a part of living in this world, but doing it uh, with a spiritual lens, is to uh, do all things to the glory of God and to help human flourishing. And truth is integral to human flourishing. Truth is essential when we are looking at how do we interact with the world. And that creation mandate, uh, that gets to what we call science, right? That one of the ways that God has um, made this world is that there are repeatable and observable laws of nature, right? That we look in the scriptures for the moral law and the spiritual law, but in the creation, as we look at it, we can also discern Right? Natural laws, like gravity, for instance. Like that is a natural law. That's true for you, it's true for me. Now, because of that, those of you in the gymnasium, because gravity is, is real and true, like that basketball hoop, probably none of us can dunk on that, right? I don't know, maybe some of you can, but why? Because gravity is true for you, it's true for me, and that gravity keeps us from dunking in the hoop. So through this discovery of, of these repeatable laws, the early scientists, they were all Christians, and they were saying, all right, how do we determine what is true for everybody, right? Gravity, laws of physics that I don't understand. And through these scientific processes, right, experimentation, all of that, we can arrive at how God has made the world. That's like natural law. So God, God has a moral law. We look in the scriptures, but there's also a natural law so that we can walk in truth. And you're like, well, what does this have to do with anything? Well, as Christians, we need to be people of truth. Truth, and, and that's truth whether we get it from the scriptures or whether we get it from science, that if something is true and real, it's going to be true and real beyond ourselves. And, and the reason I'm, I'm saying this is that we live in a society where truth is under attack. 
where, where so many folks say, well, I don't know if this is true or not, and we run to conspiracy theories and all sorts of crazy things. But the thing is, is if we want to say, all right, we stand behind the truth. As Christians, truth is paramount. That needs to be thorough, right? Not just, I like things, I'm, I'm going to treat things as true, things that I agree with. It's no, I'm going to, if, if something's true, then it's going to be true greater than me. It's going to be truth greater than me. So truth is essential for living. Truth is essential for representing Christ and doing justice to the fact that God is the creator of both the spiritual and natural realms and that God has put moral laws and spiritual laws and revealed himself through scripture, but he's also uh, written the natural laws of our society, of, of our world. And we can rejoice in that. So I think a test would be, do I walk in the truth? Do I pursue truth no matter where it brings me? Do I follow truth even when it challenges me? Because if so, I mean, if not, I should say, then, then are we truly advancing that spiritual battle? So we are people of truth, people of truth, no matter where it takes us. And that's glorifying to God. Second thing, shoes of readiness, right? Or no, breastplate of righteousness. Breastplate of righteousness. What is righteousness? Righteousness is living rightly. Right? It's living in accord with God's will. So we put on Christ's righteousness first and foremost because a, a part of the gospel is that we're not righteous on our own, that, that we don't do right things. We do things that take us away from God. And so Christ exchanges his righteousness because he fully followed God's plan for his life. He exchanges his righteousness for our sin. And so first and foremost, we put on Christ's righteousness and that protects our vitals from attack. But in scripture, when we understand God's righteousness, that leads to transformative behavior as well. So that if we're truly putting on Christ's righteousness, then it should mean more righteous living on, in our lives as well. So again, a self-check. When you say, all right, am I doing spiritual battle? I say, am I putting on righteousness as a breastplate? Am I, am I, as I live my life, is, can I say, yeah, I'm living in accord with what God wants me to do? Because if not, you're, you'll get, you'll get um, attacked and you'll get taken out in the spiritual battle. Shoes of readiness of the gospel, verse 15. It says, and as shoes as your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Right? A part of getting ready is putting your shoes on. Any parent knows this. You're like, hey, we're leaving. Get ready. And then you go in and you're like, you don't even have your shoes on. Right? Like it's a basic part of getting ready is putting your shoes on. And so many kids, they just don't, they don't, well, I'm all ready. Put your shoes on. on. So you can't be ready to stand firm. You can't be ready to travel without your shoes. 
And think about that. If you are doing battle, I know if, if I'm doing work outside, I need to put shoes on. Otherwise, I'm not going to be able to lift as much. I'm not going to be able to do anything. You've got to have shoes on. They protect your feet. They give you more strength. And here it says, again, as shoes of your feet, putting on the readiness given by the gospel. You're not ready if you don't have your shoes on. You're not ready to stand or to go if you don't have the shoes of the gospel on. Now, the gospel, what is that? That's, the gospel, as defined in the Bible, is Jesus died for our sins, and he rose again on the third day, and he was saw by a whole mess of people. The gospel is basically the Bible, the New Testament is, what does the gospel mean in our lives? And basically, yeah, if Christ has died for us, died for my sins, I'm at peace with God, the gospel of peace, and therefore, this is good news, and I need to live it, and I need to bring it everywhere. And if you've been a Christian for a while, you might be like, yeah, I know the gospel, I, I, I believe the gospel, blah, blah, blah. No, no. We need to put on our shoes every day. It's not like, oh, I put my shoes on when I, was, when I received Jesus, you know, when I was... 18 or whatever. No, you put your shoes on every day. So too do we need to put the gospel on every day. We need to remind ourselves, wait a minute, I'm at peace with God, the creator and sustainer of the universe because of what Jesus did to me. Jesus did for me. And therefore, when Satan comes with an attack and says something like, oh yeah, you failed, you're done, you're done. No. The gospel says I'm made right with God because of God, not because of my own works. That, that the gospel means that I have a message of reconciliation and peace with people. So Because I'm not just at peace with God, I'm at peace with others. And that is meant to go to other people. And so do you have your shoes on? Do you daily put on your shoes? Do you daily remind yourself who you are in Christ? Because if you don't, you're not ready. Then the shield of faith. It says, verse 16, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Now, this prop, there's a couple different shields in the ancient world. There's a little, there was a smaller shield that you could run around with. But then there was also this larger shield. And this is probably what he's talking about. There was a larger shield that you could, I mean, you could like hide behind it. It was that large. This is probably what he's referring to. And it says, take up the, field, the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. In other words, you can hide behind it so that when the flaming darts, the flaming arrows come at you from the evil one, they just hit the shield. You're guarded behind that shield. But it's a shield of faith. Faith. So what is faith biblically? Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 defines faith this way. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. This is so important because in our society, a lot of times people will be like, well, you know, I'm not one for blind faith. Well, guess what? Neither are Christians. There's no such thing as blind faith in Christianity because our faith is a conviction. And it's related to truth in that you, you, aren't convict, you don't have a conviction about something you don't think is true. So we have a conviction that based on what God has said and done. So based on what God has said, based on what God has done and revealed himself in history, 
we can move forward. We can live and breathe and act. See, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, meaning that I have a conviction, I have a faith in God more than the things I can even see. So that when my circumstances around me are awful, and Satan says, you know, how could a loving God allow that difficulty to happen? Maybe he's not loving. No, faith is the conviction of no matter, I don't have faith in my circumstances. I don't have faith in myself. I have faith in God. And God has said that he, that as we sang, I'm not alone, right? Christ is with me. Christ is for me. And so I don't trust. I don't put faith in circumstances. I don't put faith in myself. I put faith in God. It's the conviction that no, what God has said and what he's revealed, that I can trust in even more than things I can see. So I think a, a question we all have is then, am I, what am I putting my faith in? Am I putting my faith in myself? Or am I putting my faith in Christ? Am I putting my faith in my circumstances? Meaning that, oh, life is about all my circumstances being all set up. Or am I putting my faith in God? I've seen so many casualties of spiritual warfare where people are no longer convinced, again, because faith is the conviction, are no longer convinced that God is knowable, that he's trustworthy, or that he's loving. One of the difficult parts about the longer you're a pastor, the longer you see casualties of people taken out because their shield failed and they no longer trust God's Again, God's there or he's loving. But I've also seen, I've also seen people in all circumstances take up the shield of faith. Meaning, despite sickness, despite death, despite difficult circumstances, they trust in God and his promises more than what they can see around them. And as a result, they stand firm in their faith. And it's like a, a wall is in front of them. And although they keep getting spiritually wounded and spiritually attacked, they stand firm and they come out on the other side more convinced of God's love, more convinced of God's power than before they even went through those circumstances. Amen. And that, that is when you see God's goodness. That's when you see the power of the armor. But again, it's not in us, it's in God. And what we'll talk about next week is, you know, a part of the wall of faith, the shield of faith, is that the, um, the Romans, they used to make a wall out of their shields. They would put a shield down here, and then someone next to you would put a shield down, and then some would go above, and you would basically make a little fortress of shields that would go in different places. And that's why when, yes, we need a shield of faith, but when we put my shield and your shield and the other person's shield together, that's when we lock shields and that's when we can really stand. Even from attacks we didn't expect from behind or on the side. We'll talk more about that next week. But again, am I, what do we trust in? What is our faith in? Do that, that, that check. Because if you see that your shield is made from 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 uh, human stuff. It's like plastic, right? That's like Fisher-Price shield. And those don't really work. 
Because I know my brother and I, when we were young, we would, we would practice it, right? If there was some sort of fake shield, we're like, oh, will this really withstand the attack? And it never did. So no, we need the real deal, real faith in the real and living God. Helmet of salvation. Helmets are so important. They keep your head protected. We talked about this is really Christ's giving you his helmet of salvation. God himself has won our salvation. And so the, our most important part, our head, is protected. I mean, no head, you dead. I, I don't know if that's an expression, but if it's not, it should be. No head, you dead. Now, because of that, though, if your helmet is protected, you have a confidence like nothing else. The opposite is true. If you could be going into something, trying tricks on your bicycle or whatever, and if you don't have the helmet, eh, I'm not so comfortable because I could break, you know, it's one thing if I break a hand or, or a foot, but it, again, no head, you did. So keeping your head protected is so important, and that's where the helmet of salvation, Christ gives us that salvation. In John 10, verses 27 through 30, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and my Father are one. So Christ, he, no one can snatch us out of Christ's hand. He's the Son of God. No one can snatch us out of God the Father's hand, and they're one. And so if you are saved by grace through faith in Christ, then you can have that assurance that I'm not saved. I'm not, my salvation isn't based on my good works or whatever. It's based on Christ's work. So you can have that assurance. And so maybe you're here today or you're watching online. You're like, yeah, I, I don't know if, I'm, if I have salvation with God. Then again, Email me, call me, whatever, but you can have that assurance. And it's not because you're a good person or you do religious things. It's all because Jesus has won you the salvation. It's his salvation. It's his work. And you can know that. All right, finally, the sword of the Spirit is the word of God. That's the final piece of equipment. How do we know truth and righteousness? How do we know, you know what that even involves? Well, basically, it's based on God's promises. Where do we find the gospel of salvation? It's in the scriptures. Again, all of these pieces of armor are tied together. And that sword of the spirit, it's both defensive and offensive. So when a, an attack comes with a sword, you can parry it and fling that attack off. But you can also drive the enemy away. Hopefully, we'll get into this another time, but Jesus did this. When he was being tempted in the desert, G, uh, um, Satan came at him. Right With scripture, misquoting it, but still he had scripture. What did Jesus do? He used scripture and drove Satan away. And so the question I would have very quickly for that, for the sword of the spirit is, are you taking a stone to a sword fight? Really, do you, as you engage the spiritual battle, are you prepared? Are, are the, the enemy has swords. Do you? Do you daily read the scriptures, memorize the scriptures, study the scriptures? If not, you're unarmed. You're going into a sword fight with just a stone. And that's not going to work. You're going to get taken out. So are you equipped? 
And as we look at all of the armor, I think that's the question. Can you stand firm in this spiritual battle? Can you withstand spiritual attack? Again, so many of us, we spend more time thinking about like physically preparing for physical battles when really Christ is calling us to prepare for the spiritual battles around us. Are you equipped? What part of the armor, as I was going through it, do you have a weakness? Well, what do you do? What do you do if you notice something? Like, yeah, that breastplate of righteousness, my right, I don't really know about righteous living, I don't know about truth, any of that. What do you do? Verse 18, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication, praying in the spirit. So it goes through all the armor, and then all of a sudden it says praying in the spirit. Well, why does it do that? Why doesn't it like say, yeah, take up prayer like a spear or something like that? It just totally, he just goes, leaves his metaphor. Well, I think it's because, and I mentioned this last week, when we, what prayer is, it's going to God and getting his equipment. If God, if it's his equipment, then it's not about looking in ourselves to try to really find the truth in ourselves, find the righteous place in ourselves. No, it's about going to God and getting his equipment. And that's exactly what prayer is. When I was in the military, um, you know, if we, we would go on, on field exercises, we'd have to go to the supply sergeant, and he would give us, he would issue us our M16 and all of that stuff. Similar that if we are going to get equipped, we have to go to God every day and say, I'm reporting, please. And especially if it's an area where you know, I, I'm weak in this. I don't know about, I don't know about my shoes. I, I, I don't put on the shoes of the gospel. Then go to God and say, God, I need this. Each piece, go and do an equipment check. Because you know what we're doing? It's, again, changing metaphors a little bit. We're, like, we're running into our day, right? We're just saying, all right, I'm starting my day, running into our day, and our Heavenly Father is saying, but wait, you forgot. You forgot your shoes. You forgot your shield. You forgot your breastplate. And our Heavenly Father knows we're going to get hurt. But we also might get taken out might get taken out. And so as we run into our day, let's not just run into it. Let's check in, praying at all times, saying, God, I need you. God, I need your gospel. I need your truth. Again, as you've done that equipment check, look over this last year of your life. What part of the armor have you been forgetting every day? And that's the part I want you to focus on today. That's the part I want you in our prayer time to say, God, give this to me. I need this because I can see that one of the reasons I've been failing spiritually is because of this area of weakness that I've been under attack. Let's pray. Dear God, we, Lord, I pray that you would be moving in our place here and online to everyone who's watching. And Lord, you'd be revealing to us through your spirit the areas of our armor that we've been leaving behind. But Lord, we thank you that you're the one who gives the armor. Lord, that it's your armor we're to put on. It's not our truth. It's not our righteousness. It's not our salvation. Lord, it's yours. So first and foremost, we rejoice and thank you 
for your gift that you've equipped us. But Lord, we ask your forgiveness and confess there's so many times we don't take up these things. Instead, we go running into the battle ill-equipped. But Lord, we're tired of failure. We're tired of, of getting taken out by our enemies. And so Lord, we now run to you. Give us your good gifts. May we stand in Christ as we stand in our faith. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, who's made it all possible. Amen.